This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. There we go. All right. Hey, it's great to see everybody. Uh, it's another fantastic Friday. I've got Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? Hey, man, I'm doing great. I, I really love these Friday sessions. It allows me to look back at the week and go, you know, what were the big things that happened? So uh, I appreciate you. Absolutely. I know that for... It's interesting because a lot of the conversations Adrian and I have in the masterminds and accountability, um, there's a lot of references of, hey, did you see the interview with Michael and Barry? Did you see the interview with Michael about GameStop? Did you see the interview with Michael about, you know, forecasting for the California markets and what's going to happen? So thank you for always being a part of our community. So thank you for that. Oh, you got it. No, no worries. I enjoy it. So let's talk about a hot topic real quick. So the unemployment rate drop. Let's talk about that. What's going on with unemployment? I know you dropped some financial news today about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a couple of things about the unemployment rate. Again, this is something that's been going on for a long time. It, it, there are two numbers that really should be discussed, but only one of them are, right? There's there's the headline number, and it went down to 6.3% uh, for January. That you know, probably should feel good, right? Because a month before it was 6.7%, right? So going down is good. And that's the number that they're going to be talking about. It's called the headline number. Now, economic speak, that's called U3. In U3, in this environment we are in, the pandemic is borderline, if not completely useless, right? The U3 does not include things like part-time employment, like people who have given up, right? Like uh, moms who have had to choose raising their kids because kids are closed and go in, you know, staying employed. This U3, again, is borderline useless in the environment we are in today. The second number is U6. U6 is far more important to track in the environment we are in for sure and probably most of the time. It did go down, but it went from memory serves from 11.6 to 11.1. So what people need to hear is we really have unemployment over 11%. But I'm afraid what the talking heads are going to talk about is 6.3. And again, 6.3 in the context of the last 20 years is borderline full employment. So it is, um, it's a number that could be greatly misunderstood. It is, um, it's just not a good number. It, t- it sends the wrong message, in my opinion. Very well said. Thank you for that. So I think there was a comment too that I just looking at looking out over the last week in your financial news and on your YouTube channel um, about is the are, is the worst behind us. Your thoughts mm-hmm. in terms of you know are we now in the recovery, not just the K shaped mm-hmm. recovery, which we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about. Some people are doing well on the upper arm of the K. Some people are on the lower leg of the K. But overall, mm-hmm. we saw California opening up. We see some other states doing similar actions. What are your thoughts? Are is the worst behind us? Are we now just in this going to be in this steady rise? What What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things, right? If you were following me three, two or three months ago, I, I told you, you know what? Congratulations, we see a light 
at the end of the tunnel. The argument's how far away is it, but a light is now to be seen. Where I think we are now is I think you can clearly state, as you said, that I think the worst is behind us. Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not saying there's no pain today. I'm not even saying there'll be no pain tomorrow. I'm saying the worst of the pain is behind us. That still can mean, you know, we have months and months to dig out from where we are. But I think it's fairly certain that we, the worst of this crisis is behind us. Uh, and what I mean by that is we have a lot of good stuff that's starting to pile up and get ahead of us. For example, uh, the infection rates or death rates are down in most of the country. Uh, for example, for the first time, I believe vac vaccinations, right? The people vaccinated are higher than the people being infected. Uh, we have uh, a stimulus plan that was just passed under the other administration that is now impacting. We have another 1.9 trillion likely coming. That will be good news. We will have an infrastructure bill right behind that, which will be more stimulus. We have s significant states like California opening up. We have um, significant like coming back together. Now, again, that still means there's pain. There are small businesses that won't make it. Um, but yes, I do think the worst is behind us. Uh, I think, I think, I frankly, I think Q2 is better than Q1. I think Q2 is better than Q, uh, Q3 is better than Q2. Q4 is better than Q3. And um, yeah, I see, I, yeah, again, the worst is behind us is, is where I think we are, right? Simply said. I love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And um, also just in terms of a question with regard to that is that um, we that I didn't prep you for before we started rolling, but I just we can free we sure. can freestyle on it um, in terms of how you see the real estate market, specifically California, from an affordability standpoint, from the interest rate environment, do you see We've talked a lot about that this is going to be a strong market for appreciation. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really incredible opportunity for real estate professionals, both mortgage originators, as well as for salespeople, flippers, mm -hmm. people like that. Do you still hold that true, your opinion that, and again, I think I know <laughs> the answer, but do you still hold true that um, that you still see this yeah. as just being a great real estate market for the next nine months? Yeah, so let me give my, my baseline assumption because I know we have a question coming up that could take my baseline assumption and kind of turbocharge it. So my baseline assumption is the consumer has taught me over the years that they can retract for moments in time. What I believe we've seen the last nine to 12 months is the consumer, right? The average American retracting like I've never seen. And that just goes back to savings rates higher than they have historically been, whether it was Q2 savings rate of 33% or Q4 saving rate at 13.3%. It's higher than we are normally comfortable doing. So if we go back to the preceding question where the, we get better from here, what better from here likely means is people start to go, you know what? I need to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a little, a little crazy now. I'm going to, I might list my home because what we have been missing is the move up buyer. The move up buyer said in the last nine months, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy some paint. Uh, you know, I might change the, you know, uh, some tile in my kitchen, but I'm just going to make my nest, my home more comfortable. They are now going to be looking out and wow, the average city, the average state has seen somewhere between 15 and $40,000 in appreciation in the last year, right? 
if you if you've been in your house for three, four, five years, you've seen some real appreciation across the country. Most consumers are going to start to feel a little claustrophobic. If they have eighteen hundred, they want twenty five. They have twenty five hundred, they want three thousand. I want. I have an old home. I want a new home. People are going to start to move, which means. As real estate agents, mortgage originators, you have multi-transactions, you have daisy-chained events. I'm gonna list and sell, I'm gonna buy. And that's gonna go up and down the stack. Um, so yeah, I believe uh, for most of the country, it's gonna be a great year. Now there are still cities or urban core cities, San Fran, LA, New York, Chicago, Seattle, that I think will have some pain because when you vertically live, uh, and that's no longer a good thing, right? Because space is good. I don't want to be around neighbors. I don't want elevators, right? There will be some cities with pain, but that will be a fraction of the country. So yeah, I think my base case is a pretty active year. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. So let's talk about, let's revisit from last week. We talked about GameStop and AMC and that. What Just maybe give our, our viewers an update. What, what did you see happen? I know there's a lot of changes where where is yeah. that whole play at the AMC and GameStop? Yeah, I, I would ask people to go back and watch our video last week when we talked about this. And in that video, I said, this isn't going to hold, right? I've been in this environment. I profited from environments and I suffered losses 20 years ago in a very similar environment. And I said in that last Friday video that this won't hold and it didn't, right? Consumers do what consumers always did. Consumers, retail investors, they can hold together on the upside, right? When you have a hot deck in blackjack or you have a hot roll on the craps table, it's easy to stay engaged and it's easy to chase. That's the fear of missing out. My buddy did this, I did that. I saw it both in dot-com stocks. I really saw it in single family homes and it's why I got out. It's what happened in GameStop and AMC and all of that. Again. What happened last week is the retail investors found a trade that worked. And I think Reddit and all of this, I think we have seen that retail investors now can hold hedge funds and Wall Street accountable like we never did before. What started as a great trade quickly grew out of control. It went from investing to speculating and speculating to gambling. And what we were seeing last Friday was gambling. We were seeing a company that had never historic that their book value is something under 50 bucks, trading at over 400. That's not normal. That won't hold. We had AMC, which some companies value AMC theaters, right? Talk about one of the industries that are just crushed. Some analysts have said their book value is a dollar, trading north of whatever it was. So again, it was very easy to say that this won't hold. It was hard to say when it would crack. But when it cracks, it cracks kind of like you expect, right? Once it kind of rolls over and it's the, you know, the, the last kind of speculative investment comes in and you can't keep up, then what happens is Wall Street just beats you because Wall Street sees it rolls over. They're buying the order flow from Robinhood and all these other players. So they see where it's coming and seeing where it's slowing down and they just beat you to the downside. And what happens is all the weak hands kind of sell out and a stock that was over 400, I didn't, I haven't checked, you know, in the last 30 minutes, but it's now under 80. So that's wow. an 80% fall in a week. And it's predictable. It happens every time. Now it will bounce around a little bit here, but you know, you know, GameStop will go back to its natural price eventually. 
and it's a lot closer to 40 than it is 400. And what happens is people are going to do a couple of things. And again, I say this as somebody who suffered losses 20 years ago. Some people are going to see this loss and go, I'm never going to sell. I'm going to have diamond hands. This is the new whiz bang word. And that really means you're going to have dead money. Because if you bought it 300, there's a very good chance that GameStop never sees 300 again. You're going to have dead money. It's not going to do anything. Sorry. Yeah. Or you're going to be paper hands and you're just going to sell out and you're going to take your loss. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Again, GameStop started, AMC started as a great investment thesis. Kernel of truth, great analysis was awesome. Then it went speculation. Wow, this trade's working. New people came in. Then what happened is because GameStop became a thing on CNBC and all these other channels, just the flood of investors who did no research, it was just hot. They wanted to tell their buddies they owned 10 or 20 or 30 shares or whatever it was. By that time, man, get the hell out because it's going to crash. And it did. Yeah. 100%. And so spot on. It's funny. And I said this before, but I'll say it again, is that uh, a good friend of mine, almost a family member uh, who works in the construction trades in San Francisco and big projects was telling me that when all the sports and everything stopped last year because of COVID, all of his, a lot of his coworkers who love to gamble and do, you know, a lot of gambling, they all became day traders. So they're all trading stocks at lunchtime and on their breaks off of their, you know, off their iPhone. So it's interesting dynamic, but that analogy of gambling from speculation to gambling is so accurate. So thank you for that, Michael. I want to, I want to transition into um, the next conversation. So two things that we're going to cover, I want to talk about uh, the $15,000 tax credit. Let's talk about what's yeah. going on. Maybe bring us up yeah, to speed so on that. This is, um, we're going to have to watch how this one unfolds. So the first time I've talked about it, I talked about this for the first time, probably 60 days ago. And I was like, this could be one of the, this could be single-handedly one of the biggest policy error, errors an administration ever made. And I did that based on my experience with the last $8,000 tax credit. The last tax credit, as I remember it, was for first-time homeowners. And I was, I was like, I like the idea. I believe homeownership is good. But oh my God, wh what are we missing today? We, we're missing affordable homes. We're, we don't need another reason to take 20 buyers and make it 60 buyers for the one house. That just means people are going to overpay. So I was, I, was, I was pretty against it because I thought it would hurt more people than it helped. As I have read it, and it's still a proposal, I think there's a subtle tweak to this 15K tax credit that could be wildly exciting. And if it lands, I think it will be good for most people and great for real estate agents and, and mortgage brokers. So let me tell you the twist. What I have read in a couple of articles, and again, it's still a proposal, it's being debated, we'll see if it happens, is anyone, anyone who hasn't bought their primary home in the last two years could qualify for this. So when you think about that, and you think about the market I've already told you earlier in the conversation we have been missing, we've been missing the move up buyer. Yep. Most owners of homes today bought their home more than two years ago most. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's got to be over 80%. So 
So what that means is 80% of existing homeowners could sell their home, get the 15K credit and upgrade. You want to talk about creating the most wildly busy and active real estate seasons we have ever seen. And I'm talking seasons, like a year or two. This 15K tax credit for anybody who hasn't bought a home in two years would unlock a gargantuan amount of move up buyers. That's what we've been missing. That's what the home, that's what if, we would have so many more affordable homes. We would have quality differences. We'd have location of things to pick from because people are people. They want free money. They want better stuff. The American consumer is remarkably predictable. And if this 15K tax credit comes out and it says anyone and everyone who hasn't bought their owner occupied home in the last two years can get 15K you know, tax credit on top of the equity they've already gained, listings will explode. Options will explode. Quality difference would explode. I mean, the transaction volume would hurt my head how fast and how big this would be. I love it. I love it. So for all of our audience out there, plan, pay attention and create a plan and have some strategies and tactics set up in place ready to you know get your piece of it so there's going to be a lot of opportunity oh. with this yeah we have to watch this one this again i stand by my comments this could either be the worst policy ever ever made if it's only for owner occupies that never bought never bought or anybody who hasn't bought in the two years right there's a big delta between that worst policy move to oh my god the real estate market's on fire so we have to watch this as it evolves, as it gets negotiated in the Senate, the House. I mean, I mean, it could be amazing or it could be the biggest policy ever, policy error ever made. It's it's kind of one or the other. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for it too. It also triggers uh, for me a memory of, you know, when I was first started buying properties, they had changed some of the tax code where um, basically if you were an owner occupant, your primary residence, I believe it was during the Clinton administration, that if you had lived there for two years, you could then move up and have a capital gain of $250,000 as an individual or 500,000 as a married couple. And that, I mean, a lot of people don't talk about that, that but that was a big boom in our recovery in the mid nineties, you know, in the mid nineties and kind of going into the, what was then called the roaring two thousands when we saw the tech boom. So mm-hmm. yeah, really exciting there. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was that that was a big deal. And if, if again, if if you could sell your home and not pay taxes on the first two fifty or five hundred based on marital status, uh, you know, giving the middle finger to the IRS that's that, that's never a bad thing. Legally, legally giving them the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll keep moving. We'll keep moving with that. Yeah. So, last topic. Last topic. So Ken McElroy, uh, um, I know yeah. he puts out some content, a lot of content. Um, he recently put out uh, a video talking about the hottest 20 markets in 2021. And um, yeah. I personally didn't get a chance to look at his videos. I watch your videos. I have not seen his, but maybe mm-hmm. kind of give me your spin and your take on, on what Ken presented. Yeah. Maybe even explain for the audience just so they don't have to go and find it. What did yeah. he actually say or not say? I, I will. So again, Ken McElroy is one of the guys I listen to. Right. He's a rich dad advisor. He's written some of the best books, some of the books I've, some of the books I bought 20 years ago to tell you the, the, the kind of respect I have for Ken. 
So he put out a video. I saw it this morning. I think it's been out for, you know, I don't know, less than 24 hours. It's 20 minutes long. And it basically talks about the hard, hottest markets for 2021. That's going to get a lot of views, right? It is. But unfortunately, when you drill in and, and, and watch it, I didn't watch it. I listened to it just so we're clear. Um, basically, what he, he shared is, look at all this data you can go back and research. Look at van lines and U-Haul and uh, PWC. And basically, basically, he was highlighting where people are coming from and where people are going to. So I want to be very clear on this. Ken McRoy owns 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000, some ungodly amount of real estate. He's, a, he's, a, he's heading to, he, he could be a billionaire by the time he gets done with this. So he's a big, big, big shot. He talks about in that video, you know, my team and this and that and flying all over the country. Everything he talked about there is something you should be doing if you're looking to buy apartment buildings. That's not where most of us are. Right. My channel is talking about helping people buy their first or fourth or 10th single family home. And what I think most people will take away from Ken McElroy's awesome video, and I don't think he did this intentionally, but it will happen, is Ken basically said, do more research. And individual investors looking to buy a home do not need to do more research. Research is permission to do nothing. Research is permission to say you're taking action, but not write offers. You do not buy single family homes by doing endless amounts of research and U-Haul and all of this. As I talk about in my course, the first step is pick a zip code, a location, get micro, look at deals. You don't, again, if you watch Ken McElroy's video, he's gonna make you feel good. He's gonna pat you on the back and basically tell you to do more research, which I translate to do nothing. You're not going to change your life by watching Ken McElroy's video. You, 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 guys, we need to do the work. You need to do 10 to 20 minutes a day of work. You need to look at your market. You need to understand what average is. If, let's, let's take advantage of what's coming in 2021 and do the work now so you can write offers. Build a skill. Build a skill. Ken gives you permission to do nothing. And I think that is wasteful and disappointing. And again, I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he truly believes everything he said. But let's be honest, you and I aren't looking to buy 500 apart unit apartment buildings. Anybody can find a good or great deal if they do the work. That's what I teach. That's what I talk about. You're in my, you're in my course. You're on my Facebook group. Folks, stop watching other folks. Let's just do the work and change our lives now. I love it. I love I love the now too, right now. So as always, Michael, thank you for being on. I know that again, thank you for all your wisdom and insights. Um, for those of you who don't know, follow Michael Zuber. I don't even watch regular news anymore. I only watch Michael's channel. His YouTube channel is full of content. Do you have any idea? How many videos do you have on there? Over 3000 now. I produce four or five original pieces every day. Every day. So I mean, the way, the way I look at this, Michael, is that you've dedicated your life to this, right? And is that pretty accurate? Yeah. I mean, I'm, the next 50 years, my job is to, is to help people understand uh, and strengthen and grow the middle class. I mean, that's all I'm trying to do. I love it. I love it. So please follow Michael. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on uh, Facebook. You can find him on Instagram at one rental at a time. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care, buddy.